0: Oh! OK. Yeah. I don't know. You know, uh, you'll probably be about as good as I was. That's kind of the way it works, you know. And I I, I was below average, you yeah, know, so whoa. So you'll probably ultimately rank somewhere around there, you know, so I really, uh, you'll excel at a lot of things. Just not this. I don't want you out here shooting this ball around all day and night, all right? All right. OK. All right, go Period. Good movie. Um, It's from The Pursuit of Happiness, if you haven't seen that movie before. Really, really powerful story. My uh, daughter, Ivy, has just started crawling this week, and it's an exciting, yeah, it's fun. It's exciting. I, uh, the, for the, at first, kind of at the beginning of the week, she would kind of get on all fours, and then she would kind of just, and just swing that arm, okay? Wasn't going anywhere, but somehow she thought this was connected to moving forward, and, uh, By the end of the week, though, you know, Sarah and I are like, you can do it. Come on, sis. Let's go, big girl. Oh, you're a big girl. You can do this. And uh, she finally started to crawl. We grabbed Dex's monster truck, put it just a few feet away from her, and that's all it took. And she, and then, and she made it all the way, grabbed that monster truck like it was her trophy. We were thrilled. We cheered her on. And we, we were so excited. You know, we're like, It's like a trick, you know? And so we're kind of uh, showing her off like she's a dog, right? We're in the grocery store. Stranger says, what a cute baby. Oh, uh," you know, she crawls. She crawls. Pull out a monster truck from my pocket. Get it, sis. Go get it, girl. Fetch. And we're just so proud of our daughter being able to move. But this moving around thing, it opens up worlds of adventure and danger. (laughs) She's pulling herself up onto the Ottoman and then she kind of does this, and then timber falls backwards. But it was our encouragement in Dex's monster truck that propelled her to a life in motion. And we, too, live in a world of daily challenges, and to venture beyond where we've always been, just sitting to a life of motion and movement into and the wild call that God has for us, we are going to need encouragement as well. We need, God, we need good words from people, encouraging words to move us beyond where we've been to get us to where we need to go. Uh, everyone needs encouragement. Why is it that in a race, the people cheering on the sides, why does that make a difference? Have you ever thought about this? Like anytime you, you, ask, you see an interview, someone who wins a race, you ask and they go, uh, how are you able to go so fast or whatever? And they always say something along the lines of, when I saw that person cheering, when I saw my coach, when I heard the words of my spouse, it just gave me something I didn't have so that I could finish strong. Why when your physical body has been pushed to the limits and you literally have nothing left in the tank, then you see someone in the crowd. You see a sign that says, great job. Or you hear your friend or coach spurring you on. Why does that give you something that you didn't have before? I haven't been in a race since I was a child. Um, But several years ago, I went to my niece, uh, Italia's first cross-country race. And we didn't think she was fast um, because she runs like a T-Rex. Okay, it's kind of like this. (laughs) And she goes around the first turn and she's winning, and we're just thrilled. We don't even know what to do. And so uh, we're kind of, you know, we're cheering. And then there's this little blonde girl that's, you know, like just like running super fast right behind her. And we're like, go, go, go! And when she made that final turn, I mean, she, she was lightning. I'll never forget that because I've never ran so fast in my life. I'm sprinting the last 100 meters just going go sis go you can do it you can do it like I was I was emotional and she won. I remember like a tear came out of my eyes. I was like what is this? <laughs> I was either so thrilled that my niece won the race or I was just it was physical exhaustion. <laughs> I'm not sure. The beautiful thing about encouragement is that it doesn't just help the person that you're encouraging, it also helps you. It helps the encourager. Our words bless the blessee, but they also bless the blesser. When you take a positive role and give encouraging good words to people, you're blessed, not just the other person. And encouragement is actually a really dominant theme in the New Testament, Paul is obsessed with building up the local church. And so he offers them so much encouragement and encourages them to encourage others. For example, in Colossians 2.2, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ. Colossians 4.8, I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. 1 Thessalonians, therefore encourage each other with these words. Chapter 5, verse 11, therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Hebrews 10, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I mean, I wish I know what he was trying to say here. (laughs) Encourage, 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 encourage. Encouragement, words of affirmation. Many of you have probably taken the... um, Five love languages, or read that book. Uh, great book. We'll talk more about that kind of stuff um, next month. But my one of my love languages is words of affirmation. I it's, it scores really high for me, uh, and encouragement goes a long way with me. Uh, and even in our house, I'll do something like nice or kind around the house for Sarah, and I don't do it solely for the encouragement, but I really do love the encouragement. <laughs> So like I carry something too heavy for her and then I'll purposely like go past her and maybe grunt a little bit. Wipe the sweat from my brow and I'm just waiting for a thanks babe or oh, there's my strong man. Just something (laughs) that just feeds my soul. We all love encouragement. Notice me, praise me. Everybody loves to receive encouragement, but we often struggle to live a life that sends encouragement. Uh, Here's some of the reasons why we fail at this. Here are a few things that hinder us from being the kind of encouragers that God has called us to be. Numero uno, complaining, complaining. Philippians 2.14 says this, do everything without grumbling or arguing without grumbling or arguing. Some of you want to put this tattoo on your children, okay? (laughs) Do everything without grumbling or arguing. A monk entered a monastery in which he agreed to take a lifelong vow of silence. He could only speak two words every 10 years. After the first 10 years, he was brought before the leader and he said, bed hard. (laughs) 10 years later, he was brought before the leader and again, he said, food bad. 10 years later, he was brought before their leader again and he said, I quit. And the leader said, well, that doesn't surprise me. You haven't done anything but complain for the last 30 years. (laughs) Do everything without grumbling or complaining. What a practical verse. The Bible is extremely practical. The grumbling is the part that I struggle with and it sometimes manifests itself in an exhale. You know what I'm talking about? The, uh, that's grumbling, okay? That's grumbling. For me, in this season of my life, uh, it has to do with changing diapers. Uh, when Ivy was a newborn, super easy. Grab those two legs, right, with one hand, and then boom, done, clean, ready to go. Now that she's moving all the, she's just moving all the time. She's rolling over. It's like she's dancing like Beyonce. She's just like this, and then, and and so then, and, and Sarah in the other room can hear me changing her diaper because of my exhales, my grumbling. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. What if I were, instead of grumbling or complaining, what if I were to go the other route? When I'm changing my daughter's diapers, what if it was like an energetic diaper change? And I'm like, you went big, sticky poo poos? Ew, gross, daddy, changed your sticky poo poos. And then she starts to move around, dance like Beyonce, and I'm like, oh I've seen the single ladies, all the single, and I'm doing everything I can to just. And so, trying to make this a fun experiment, a, a fun diaper change, energetic. What if I went the other route rather than grumbling, exhaling, and complaining? My daughter would love it. Or maybe you're you're a complainer at work, at your job, right? Uh, Or maybe you're a complainer at church. Uh, Complaining doesn't help anyone and it certainly doesn't help you. Be a part of the solution, not part of the problem. Uh, The next thing that hinders us, jokes and sarcasm. I heard some grumbling as soon as I said that. (laughs) That's the Holy Spirit, guys, that's not me. Now, this is me. I'm going to be transparent with you this morning. When in doubt, I go for the joke. And I constantly have to be on guard about this with my words. Our children's pastor, Brittany, is an incredible, amazing person. Uh, She's a great mom of two kids. Uh, She's amazing. We're lucky to have her on staff. She runs lead on women's ministry stuff, kids ministry. She's just an incredible, credible woman. However she tends to mispronounce words or confuse words of common phrases all the time. And I always call her out on it. For example, in one staff meeting not that long ago, when trying to use the phrase out of left field, um, she says, after someone makes a random comment, well, that was out of left ball. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you're using that wrong, Brittany. Now, I have Brittany's permission to share this with you guys. I'm not gossiping, okay? (laughs) I was a part of the sermon a couple weeks ago. Um, So I give her a hard time whenever she butchers a word or a phrase, which is often. Um, And she's never gotten mad at me. At least she's never told me that she's gotten mad at me about it. But if I were to continue making people laugh at Brittany's expense, I'm sure eventually she'll stop wanting to be around me. I might be funny, but I'm not being encouraging. I'm not being uplifting. And we do this in other ways, and and most often our intentions aren't bad, but we have to stop and think about how it might make the other person feel because our constant teasing can become arrows to someone's heart if we don't focus, if we don't realize it. Check out this proverb, chapter 26, 18 and 19. Like a maniac shooting arrows shooting flaming arrows of death is one who deceives their neighbor and says, I was only joking. The proverb says that if you do that, you're like a madman shooting deadly arrows. Picture that, you're at dinner with a bunch of friends and someone is really, really enjoying their dish that they received. And a crazy person, arrow drawn back, launches an arrow and says, oink, oink, the whole table laughs. The oink, oink arrow flies through the air across the table and pierces the person. The madman then walks over to the person, pulls out the arrow while blood is pouring out and says, I was just joking. I was just teasing. But the arrow's done its job, stealing the victim's breath. By the time the madman covers it up with, I'm only joking, the damage has already been done. I've been the madman before. And I'm confident you have as well but it's time to stop. It's time to stop the madness. It's time to keep our arrows to ourselves. It's time to give the gift of encouragement rather than stealing someone's life with hurtful words. The third way we do this is with criticism. Criticism of others um, and the negative things that people might say about us affects me greatly. When someone says something negative about me, I let it affect me way more than I should. But I'm also guilty of saying negative things about others and criticizing them. And criticism hurts usually because there's a part of it that might be true, right? And that's what stings the most. Like if someone told me 10 years ago, John, your hair is lame, you're going bald, I would laugh at him because it wasn't true. But, but things change. If that same person were to make that comment now, it would be a different story, it would sting. A couple years ago, I was at Supercuts, I was in denial. And a lady was cutting my hair. And uh, when she's getting near the end, she's kind of combing it. And then she goes, ooh. And I was like, what? What? And she goes, oh, nothing. It's just, and she used the comb. And she goes, you're just thinning out right here. And she like did the magic wand thing. (laughs) Like she was casting a spell for baldness over my head. And she goes, you're thinning out right here. And I was like, no, I'm not. And I looked down and I was like, ooh. And I kind of walk out, in my, in, like, in my heart, I'm thinking, she was just trying to sell me a product. Like, she just wanted me to come back and buy some, you know, Rogaine or something from her. I was in denial. Now, in every picture I'm in, I'm looking to see if my hair is full and luscious. It's not. It's thinning and balding. It was that darn spell from that lady from Supercuts. <laughs> Curse you supercuts, for cursing me and my bald head. Even if there is some truth in criticism, you're not defined by your critics. You're defined as a child of God. When we live out that reality, we handle criticism much better and we become less critical of others and we begin to see the divine image in them as well. Even those who are criticizing you that's the heart of God. Those who are wounding you, we can begin to see the divine image of God in them and want to bless them rather than curse them back. There's a seminary professor who was vacationing with his family in Tennessee, and one morning they were eating at this mom-and-pop kind of cafe, diner, breakfast shop, and they saw this well-put-together elderly person, man, uh, walking around from table to table. And it was, it was as if everybody knew him. And so he, the, this old man kind of in a, in a nice suit walks up, clean cut, and he's talking to almost every table. And he's hugging kids, and he's visiting with all these families. And the seminary professor and his wife are like, please don't come here, please don't come here. They're just on vacation, they just want to relax. And he walks right up to him and goes, hey, where are you guys from? And they said, well, we're from Oklahoma. And he said, well, it's great to have you in Tennessee. What do you do for a living? And he says, well, I'm a seminary professor. And he goes, oh, so you teach preachers how to preach. And he says, well, yeah. And he says, I've got a great story for you. Would you like to hear a great story? And the man says, sure. And he's dreading this, right? And he says, you see that mountain over there? And he kind of points to the base of a mountain in the distance through the window he says, not far from the base of that mountain, there was a boy who was born to an unwed mother. And uh, he had a hard time growing up because every place he went, he was always asked the same question. Hey boy, who's your daddy? Whether he was at school or the grocery store or the drugstore, people would always ask the same question. Who's your daddy? This was a different time in a different place. And he would hide at recess and lunchtime. He would avoid going to stores because that question hurt him so bad when he was 12 years old, a new preacher came to his church and he would always like show up late and then slip out early. But one day the new preacher said the benediction so fast that this young 12-year-old boy got caught in the crowd as everyone was leaving the church. And just about the time he got to the back door, the pastor asked him, put his hands on his shoulder, the new pastor and says, hey boy, who's your daddy? Now everyone in the church kind of behind him got quiet. They wanted to know the answer to the question. What what was he gonna say? And the pastor sees the look on the boy's face and it had to have been a word from the Holy Spirit. Using the discernment that God gave him, the pastor says, oh, wait, I know who your daddy is. Now I see the resemblance. You're a child of God. You're a child of God. With that, he patted the boy on his head and he says, you've got a great inheritance. Go get it. With that, the boy smiled for the very first time in a while and walked out a changed person. He was never again the same. So whenever anybody asked him, who's your daddy? He would say, I'm a child of God. And this distinguished gentleman got it from the story, got it from the table, and he said, isn't that a great story? And then the seminary professor and his wife said, yeah, that's a great story. And as the man turned to leave, he says, you know, if that new preacher hadn't told me I was one of God's children, I wouldn't have amounted to anything. You guys have a great day. And he walked away. This is why God has the church, to encourage one another. One of the most powerful things that you can say to someone else, me too, me too. Uh, That's that's why we're starting Life Group Ministry, starting in February. We we want uh, people to have these me too experiences where we can encourage and uplift and build each other up. It's not enough to just say, I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to criticize or complain. It's not enough to just try and avoid the negative. We have to replace that with love. If you just say, okay, I'm not going to gossip. I'm not going to be negative. I'm not going to criticize. And you just try really hard, uh, you will fail. It has to be replaced with love. We're all telling a story by everything we do and say. Our lives tell a story. What kind of story do your lives tell? Ephesians six nineteen says this. And this is just a beautiful passage. Paul says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. I love that verse. And it really puts a bow on this sermon series, right? We use our words to proclaim the gospel. Gospel is good news. That's what it means. Not good to-dos. It's not something that you have to do. It's an announcement. Now the word uh, evangelism means good news. And if I was in a relationship with evangelism, it would be, it's complicated, okay? I've got a love-hate relationship with evangelism. Uh, The tension for me comes from seeing it done so poorly by often well-meaning people. They memorize a sales pitch. They find unsuspecting strangers. And then they make the strangers feel all weird and uncomfortable, all the while saying they're trying to help their neighbor. But in reality, they're just trying to add another spiritual notch on their belt. They're trying to help themselves. Bad evangelism. Here's an example of bad evangelism. Did you see that home run last night? And the guy barely says, oh yeah, well, Jesus can hit a home run in your life. It's bad. It's bad. Oh, let me illustrate this for you. CH CH, what's missing? You are. <laughs> you are. Some like of you are you writing write, it down and you know, oh, that's, so good. that's good. No, no it's, it's not. not. <laughs> no, no, it is not. not. <laughs> like anyone who regularly meets people, what's the first question you ask them when you're getting to know them? What, what is it? Uh, Do you just go right out and say, hey, I'm I'm John, I go to Prodigal Church, you should come with me sometime. That's weird. Uh, Two weeks ago, I had to go to the ATM. My bank is Golden One Credit Union. So I pull up to Golden One Credit Union and I'm jamming to music. I've got my phone on and I'm listening to music on my phone. It's on shuffle. And I'm just jamming hard, loving it. So I got the windows down and then I leave it in the car and I keep the car running because I just got to run to the ATM real quick. And right at the ATM, I run into one of my old friends who plays rugby. And so I'm like, hey, what's up, dude? Oh, awesome, man. Uh, great to see you. All right, dude. Yeah, we'll catch up later. Talk to you. And so he starts walking by and then I'm at the ATM. And as he walks past my car, he goes, nice song, man. And kind of does like a weird smile, and I go, "Thanks." And I was jamming to like some rock song or something, and I was like, "It is a good song." And uh, but I, as I get back to my car, I realize something. The song had switched to the next song, and it was "Baby" by Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, "Thanks, man," and I'm saying, "Thanks, man," to "Baby" by Justin Bieber. I was so embarrassed. I was like, no. First of all, how did it get on my phone? I have no idea. (laughs) I didn't know they just start putting songs randomly on your phone. I am telling a story by the music I listen to. I'm telling a story by the way I raise my kids. I'm telling a story by keeping my wife as the number one person in my life. And I'm telling a story with my words. And so are you. That's the best evangelism. What story are you telling with your life? That's the best evangelism. Not a sales pitch, not four spiritual laws, not introductory questions. Living your life, pledged your love and fidelity to Jesus, and telling that story with your life is the best evangelism. I'll close with this as the band comes up. When you openly admit you are a Christian, You're saying to the world, you are imperfect and flawed. Not the one saving, but the one being saved. God didn't ask us to save anybody. That's his job. We can be a part of that. God wants to utilize us. And the best way we can be a part of that is by living a life sold out to him in every way. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you wouldn't just be Lord over Um, our sin lives, our private lives, Lord over our thoughts, but would you be Lord over our words? May the love of Jesus be in everything we say, whether that's sharing the gospel, whether that's inviting someone to church, whether that's just giving a word of encouragement to someone who may need it. God, let us replace criticism with love. Let us replace negativity with love. Let us replace jokes and sarcasm with love, let us replace complaining with love. God, we thank you that if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation, that the old is gone, the new has come. Thank you, God, that you are a good, good father and that you call us children, that we're loved by you. That's who we are. Thank you, God, for your reckless love that there's no mountain you won't climb, there's no sea you wouldn't cross to get to us personally, who we are. Faults and all, you go the, the full distance for us. There's nothing that you wouldn't do or nothing you haven't done to win us back. Thank you for your death on the cross and your resurrection for overcoming sin and death because we can't. We love you and praise you in Jesus name. Amen. Would you stand as we close with this song, declaring the reckless love of God? First my heart for the first time and I was like.